Do you think that um, Jesus ought to be a little bit more uh, respected and everyone should listen uh, a little bit more to, to what he says? In a sense, today's passage kind of takes that off the table, surprisingly. Um, it, um, it, it shows us that Jesus' claims are so big that they make people either give their whole lives to him or want to kill him. Did you notice that, that reaction, that kind of, um, those two reactions, well, particularly the uh, wanting to kill him one at the beginning uh, of the bit that, that Sarah read, verse 16 on page 1068. Uh, because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. And it makes things worse, Jesus' defense, verse 17, Jesus said to them, my father's always at work to this very day. I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. The, uh, the claims of Jesus make people want to kill him. And properly understood, actually, that's what Jesus' claims will always do. Now, um, whether you're here as a follower of Jesus or, or just um, kind of finding out and thinking things through, um, this is a really important thing to understand. If we think that Christianity uh, should receive a warm reception uh, from everyone in the world, then we probably haven't quite got how massive Jesus' claims and demands really are. And so as, as people um, plan how they're going to kill him, Jesus lays out to them exactly what it is he is claiming about himself. Now, um, as we think what Jesus says through, I'm aware that, that what I'm going to be saying is um, primarily about who Jesus is rather than about us um, or about what, what he might do for us. And that's a good thing. And I hope you're looking forward to thinking more about uh, that and, and you're interested not just in what Jesus can do for you, but you're interested in what Jesus is like. And I hope that's true for you if you're a grown-up and if you're a child. And because children here need to uh, learn what Jesus is like just as much as grown-ups do. And to be excited and interested by him. Imagine if um, in my relationship with my wife Alison, I was only ever interested in what she's going to do for me. And I was never interested in her for herself. That would be a sign of a disastrous marriage, wouldn't it? Uh, relationships, if they're going to be good ones, require interest in the other, um, not just in what the other can do for us. And all the more so when the other is God himself. If we want a relationship with Jesus, we need to learn what he's like, not, ju not just what difference he makes in our lives, although he does make a wonderful difference to our lives. So the key question um, that Jesus is answering here is, is basically, who is he? Uh, is he calling himself equal with God the Father? Um, uh, I, I don't know if you, um, I don't know, have heard about or perhaps remember watching a, a, a David Icke interview uh, with Terry Wogan, or rather, Terry Wogan interviewing David Icke uh, about 20 years ago. And um, David Icke's a football expert call, who, who called himself uh, in that interview uh, the Son of God. And um, Terry Wogan, normally very 
pleasant and, and mild-mannered. Ma when, when the audience erupted in, in laughter, he had to point out to David Icke, you do know that they're laughing at you, they're not laughing with you. Because the, the idea that someone could claim to have the authority of God himself as a human being, it's, it's just crazy, isn't it? I mean, it's the type of thing that, that gets you put into a, a mental institution. But here, though, the reaction isn't laughter to Jesus, but, but anger. Because uh, he's saying this in, in full seriousness, and people seem to be believing him. Now, if you've ever wondered about the Trinity, uh, then this is a great passage to help you. Uh, because Jesus lets, uh, lets us in on the very nature of the eternal, infinite God. I think at some point in joining the dots, um, our group which meets before church, uh, we'll do some more thinking about uh, the Trinity at some point. Um, so... Um, Come along to that uh, when we do, if you want to know more. But we'll do our best to understand what John 5 is telling us, what Jesus is telling us in, in John 5. And the key, the key phrase, I think, sums up this passage, and this is something to fill in for children who are um, trying to work on the, the booklets, is that Jesus is God the Son. Jesus is God the Son. He's truly God, and he's not God the Father. They're different people. He's truly God, firstly. He's truly God. When the Jewish leaders are, are so angry they want to kill him because he sounds like he's making himself equal with God, you'd expect Jesus to back down and clarify, you know, I'm not saying to be God or anything. I'm just a prophet. I'm just God's chosen one. Except, of course, if he is actually truly God. And so he says things like, whatever the Father does... The son also does. The son gives life to whom he's pleased to give it. The father judges no one, but is entrusted all judgment to the son. Even whoever does not honour the son doesn't honour the father. Jesus is truly God. He's actually God. But he's a different person to God the Father. God the Father is the one who's spoken about in most of the Bible as God. So he's truly God. He's not the father. And this is pretty obvious, isn't it, in the way that Jesus talks about his relationship with the father. This isn't just himself with a different mask on or himself in a different way of relating to people. This is a different person. He sees his father doing things. He's loved by the father. He loves the father. And it's not just um, that there are two identical people. Uh, one happens to be called the Father, one happens to be called the Son. Uh, they're both God. Rather, they, they have different roles. Uh, the Father really is Father. And the Son really is Son. The Father initiates and gives and loves. And the Son submits and receives and pleases. It's, it's a beautiful relationship uh, which fits together. Uh, which isn't kind of uh, just looking in a mirror. And so Jesus gives us um, three areas uh, shaped by that relationship, or really one, one big thing uh, with two outworkings. Jesus works at what he does, and in particular his uh, uh, life and his life giving and his um, judgment. Uh, and as we think about uh, those things this morning, uh, as, as Jesus lets us in, on the mystery of God's very being in eternity. I think we've got to come with some humility, don't we? We can't expect to totally understand everything that there is to understand about the infinite God. But 
Expect to truly understand some things which will stretch your mind and captivate your heart and fill you with wonder. And I hope that's what, that's what will happen as we, as we look in more detail at these verses in, in John chapter 5. Um, firstly, j- just notice, Jesus does everything his Father does. Uh, so, uh, chapter 5, verse 19. Um, Very truly, Jesus says, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does... The Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. Now Jesus is saying here, look, I'm not independent from God the Father. He doesn't go off and do his own thing. They're not rival gods. There aren't two gods or three gods. There is one God. Everything the Father does, the Son also does. They don't do it in the same way. The Father does it as Father, the Son does it as Son. But they both do everything that they do uh, together. They're inseparable. And that is true of the Holy Spirit as well. He's not the focus here. Uh, Other parts of the Bible talk about um, him and the way that he acts the same way. Um, I read recently that um, father-son businesses are making a real comeback in the UK, um, especially in in trades. Uh, One one example is um, W. Stevenson Sons, um, a uh, a, a plumbing business uh, that that I was really like when I I read about this. Uh, And Chris Stevens said this, My own son was born this week. I feel I'm building things for him, just as my dad... Uh, and uncle and granddad did for me. It's a good career for a young person today. Treat your customers well, and you'll have independence and a good life, and you'll always have work. Um, now, the reason I, I like that is because a father-son business gives us a little glimpse into what Jesus is talking about. Uh, he, um, this, this guy, Chris Stevens, grew up watching his dad working, and he did what his father did. His father showed him what he did, you know, how to do plumbing, And he did the same stuff uh, with his father. Uh, Now, it's a bit different, (laughs) unsurprisingly, with God the Son. God the Son was with the Father in eternity. Uh, um, uh, There was never a time when it was just the Father without the Son. Um, And uh, Jesus never had to kind of, uh, you know, learn his trade. You know, perhaps I'm teaching Danny to do some stuff and he hasn't quite got it. And when we do stuff together, I'm kind of helping him do everything that we do together. But, but it's not like that with the, the, the Father and the Son. But the Bible says that he, God has made us as fathers and sons so that we can understand what he is like in eternity. It's a pretty awesome thought, isn't it? The whole concept of family uh, came into existence so that we'd understand a little bit more of what, what God's like. Um, The Father shows the Son everything he does, and the Son does it too. Uh, The oneness of God means that the Father and the Son do nothing by themselves. Uh, The Father initiates and, and, and shows, and the Son cooperates and serves in everything. 
Uh, and, and that's true of everything that Jesus has been doing in front of the disciples, all, all of the, the miraculous signs he's been doing, and his uh, teaching, his reveal, revealing. And Jesus says, uh, the disciples are going to be amazed, because the Father's going to show the Son even greater works. The Son is going to do even greater works, which will be astonishing. But before we get on to those greater works, which I think we're about to find out about as Jesus carries on, um, just think for a moment about the implications of this. It, it, it means if the Father always does everything the Son, uh, if the Son always does everything the Father does, it means that Jesus really can reveal the unseen God to us. As we see what Jesus has done, as we read the Bible and learn about Jesus, we truly can understand God. It's not just kind of hints and guesses. This is what God is like. Everything the Son does, the Father does. It also means that, that relationship is the very heart of existence. Because relationship is the heart of who God is. That's not true, for instance, in Islam. Or in fact, in any other religion, really. Love is at the heart of who God is, because he is Father and Son and Spirit. So, uh, Jesus is God. What does it mean, then, that he does what his Father does? What, what are these things that he does? Uh, the rest of the passage, I think, spells out uh, what the big things are on, jo- on God's job description. Uh, what does it mean to, to be God? Uh, what does a, a, a God do? Well... Two big things, giving life and judging. So the first thing, Jesus gives life. That's the first thing that God does if he is God, is uh, give life. Uh, Verse 20, and I'll show him even greater works than these, so you'll be amazed. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he's pleased to give it. And then verse 24, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, Father and Son together, has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly I tell you, he continues, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he's granted the Son also to have life in himself. So do you see this dynamic? Truly God and not the Father. On the one hand, Jesus gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. He's in control of who's alive. Uh, Just like the Father is. It is his words that bring life, just like in Genesis. Let there be, dot, dot, dot. And if we hear and believe Jesus' words, therefore, that is our access way into life, real life, uh, overflowing, full, rich, abundant, permanent, everlasting life. And that's really important because we don't actually have it already, naturally. Uh, That that might sound um, slightly counterintuitive. It's really important for us to to grasp, though, We don't have uh, life in ourselves like God the Father and God the Son. Uh, Our life depends on God. We're a bit like a a TV or something that needs plugging in. 
It's dead unless it's plugged in. Our life comes out from outside of us. And so cut off from God, we're like cut flowers. I don't know if you ever leave cut flowers too long. We always leave cut flowers way too long and they end up going brown and dry and, you know, falling all over the table. And It's not very nice, actually, because they don't have life in themselves. Or as the TV is unplugged, perhaps sometimes it takes a moment for it to go black. Uh, as um, I don't know how it works, the power kind of is in an adapter or something, I don't know. Um, but the, the, the TV, even for that moment, it, it is kind of dead. It's just got the, the, the remnants of the life that was in it, uh, to stretch an analogy. But that's what we're like if we're disconnected from the source of life. But Jesus isn't like that. He has life inside himself, uh, welling up from within. He's the power source that can get the TV to work. Uh, He's the living plant that the flower can flourish on. Because life comes from God, and Jesus is truly God. And we can see that for sure, because one day Jesus will come and he'll speak, And all of the skeletons will rise up and turn back into flesh and blood people. Life comes from Jesus because Jesus is truly God. But Jesus is not the Father. Verse 26, I think this is a, a really interesting verse. Maybe you've glossed over it in the past. Maybe you've got questions about it. By the way, we've got a question box, which I think Neil's going to mention later, uh, which will, I don't know whether it's going to stay down here. But, but um, we're going to have a question time next week uh, because it's, it'll be our last time in John's Gospel next week. So any questions you've got, if you're here next week, any questions you've got or you've had over the last few weeks have been working out, as we've been working our way through uh, John's Gospel. It'd be great if you could write them down today, if possible, and put them in. But, verse 26, as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. This is, this is really interesting, isn't it? The Father's granted the Son also to have life in himself. That doesn't mean there was a time when Jesus didn't have life and then the Father gave him life. It's not saying that. Rather, that the Father is really Father and the Son is really Son. He depends on the Father. And the Father gives to the Son and grants to the Son. That's the way their relationship works. That's the dynamic. By the way, that means that being dependent is not a bad thing. Whatever our culture says, uh, independence is not in itself a virtue. It's really important for us. uh, There's lots of things I've said are really important for us to get. It's not surprising because Jesus is showing us what he's like, which is very different from um, the way our world is heading. But, But we make such a big thing in our culture of independence, especially for our children, But God himself is not independent. God the Son depends on his Father. Uh, One more thing before we uh, move on from this point. Uh, Because another thing which is closely related to that is authority and submission. 
Uh, the father grants the son to have life in himself. That, that's an authoritative uh, thing to do. Uh, the father shows him the things that he does. And the father does and serves. The, the, God the son loves to submit to God the father in eternity. Which means that submitting to someone else is not a bad thing. But a good thing. And someone having authority over someone else is not in itself a bad thing. But a, but, but a good thing. At least potentially. If it's a loving sort of authority and a loving sort of submission. And however much it go, that goes against the grain for us, it means that we should expect that to be the case with humanity too. Authority and submission. Especially with parents and children, fathers, sons. But, but with other areas as well. So, Jesus is God. He does what God does. So he gives life. And also... Uh, he judges. He is everyone's judge, in fact. Uh, that's our, our last um, point. He is everyone's judge. That's what verse 22 says. Uh, have, have a look down. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. The Father's given over all judging to Jesus. Which means that on the last day, everyone's deeds and words and thoughts um, are weighed up, and it's Jesus who will be doing the weighing up. Uh, and it, it's so important that, that Jesus explains it to us in a different way a few verses later, verse 27. Uh, he has given him authority, the Father has given him authority to judge because he's the Son of Man. It's a reference to Daniel 7, if you want to look that up another time. Don't be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who've done what is good will rise to live, those who've done what is evil will rise to be condemned. But again, in case we're thinking, hold on, doesn't that mean that God the Son is acting independently, God the Father isn't involved? Look down at verse 30. By myself I can do nothing, I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for, because, the reason his judgment is just is because I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. The Father and the Son are not rivals. They are one God, different persons. And the Son only ever acts to please his Father. So there won't be a case where uh, the Father is sitting there a little bit cringing because he would have judged a little bit differently. That would only happen if Jesus had different criteria or different understanding than the Father. But all of Jesus' priorities and all of Jesus' knowledge are the same as the Father's. Hence, they're one God. Jesus is truly God. And, and part of being God is uh, judging. It's part of what makes life matter. The things that we do matter because they, they, don't, they aren't just inconsequential. They actually have eternal significance, the things that we do. And Jesus says, I am the judge. I am your God. I'm not separate from the Father, but trusted with it by the Father. And the reason that the Father and the Son have done it this way, verse 23, and this is the heart of why this is so offensive and the Pharisees want to kill Jesus, verse 23, so that all may honour the Son just as they honour the Father. 
Whoever does not honour the Son does not honour the Father who sent him. Talk about incendiary. If you're not worshipping me, you Pharisees, you're not worshipping God at all. Think of that business. If, if the owner sent his uh, son, the father sent the son, to go and um, collect payment uh, that was owed, and, and the customer just ignored the son and said, get out of here, I'm not giving you a, a penny. That wouldn't just be rejecting the son, that would be rejecting the father. It would be rejecting the whole uh, family. It's impossible for, for anyone to be okay with God now or in eternity, unless they're okay with Jesus. You can't ignore Jesus and think you're on God's good side. People sometimes want to highlight the similarities between uh, different religions and, and worldviews. But Jesus wants to say, unless you have Jesus Christ as your God, you are anti-God. That's offensive, isn't it? It'd be an offensive thing to go out onto the streets and say that. People might want to silence you. People might want to kill you. So two things. First, have you got this? Have you got this yourself? Are you treating Jesus with the honour that God deserves? Are you treating his words as authoritative and life-bringing? Have you got this? Second... Would others around you get this as they see you? Are you living and speaking like Jesus is God himself and all should honour him? I don't mean being rude and condescending and abrasive to, to others who think differently. I mean doing all you can to demonstrate in your actions and your words that Jesus is the very best thing in your life. And offering to share the life that you've received from him with those around you. Jesus is truly God but he's not the father.